You are listening to the message by Antioch Centre for the Nations. For more information, please visit www.antiochcenterforthenations.org. Thank you. Today, when I was praying, he reminded me of the fact that I said we're going to do the gospel, and then we're going to do the second part of the gospel. And so let's start with that first, and later we will see another message about the mother of Jesus, because today is Mother's Day. Happy Mother's Day to all the mothers that are here. Uh, we salute you. We honor you. We know that it was not easy. As men, all we can do is say, wow, I'm glad I didn't have to go through that. I'm talking about the actual delivery of babies, the things that you went through. But you paid a price, and we're grateful for that price. And so we honor you as mothers today. And we're going to do that specifically later, too, and we're going to pray for the mothers but let's start with this about the gospel part two. Isaiah chapter 52 verse 7 says, How beautiful on the mountains are the feet of those who bring good news, who proclaim peace, who bring good tidings, who proclaim salvation, who say to Zion, your God reigns. Now, this is the introductory scripture that we saw the last time as well, because this is an Old Testament version of what is the gospel. And in the second part of our message concerning the gospel, first we're going to recap what we've learned. Remember the word that we studied and the breakdown of it for gospel, this word, you, which means good, and then agelos, which is the, the term for messenger or angel. It's used 32 times in the Bible. And when you put them together, it becomes good messenger or good message. And message in this case is like news. I can tell you something that you don't know. We can tune on the television to learn news. So we want to hear about what's going on in the world. I don't know how much of it we can believe, and Singapore is passing laws concerning fake news and a lot of issues, but the fact is that you can go learn things that you don't know from news sources, and that's where this word is connected to messenger, herald. In old days, if somebody had news to bring to a village, they couldn't send it on the internet. They had to actually have a guy run with a scroll and show up saying, hear ye, hear ye, and ring a bell and nail it to a post and read it out loud because a lot of the people were ignorant and could not read. And that's how news was, was uh, brought to different places. Uh, later on, they got a little more sophisticated with birds that could carry messages and such. And I'm sure you've seen on television uh, movies or maybe you've actually seen messenger, messenger birds. Have you ever seen a real messenger bird that brings a little scroll to someone? I haven't either. So somebody may have, unless you're watching a television show. Where you see that, but this is the same word, uh, agalos, this message, good message, yugalizo, uh, and is to uh, good news someone as a verb. And then we saw that that word is used 54 times in the Bible. And finally, yugalion, the announcement of good news, 76 times it appears in the Bible in different forms, like 94 times altogether. So that's really the focus. That word specifically is the focus that we covered last time. And when we did that, we saw a lot of information. We saw that the gospel is testimony concerning Jesus. We saw that the gospel is history concerning Jesus. History is one thing that is a written form because the gospel can be written. That's why we have the gospel according to Matthew, Mark, Luke, 
John. Those are called Gospels because it is their Gospels. And then the testimony is the thing that you speak out about Jesus. So you are responsible with your testimony of Jesus. And that is your gospel, which we're going to learn more about in a minute. Number three, last time we saw gospel is living for Jesus in persecution. And we found that the gospel was often connected to anyone that actually speaks gospel is going to pay a price for it. And Jesus in a couple of places says that he will reward you and bless you if you've suffered persecution for his name and the gospel's sake. He names the story because the gospel, as we've already learned, is his testimony. It's the history of Jesus. And if you tell people, they may get angry at you for that. They may reject that message. So there's a price to pay for doing that. Number four, last time we saw gospel is the commission for the church given by Jesus. to so go into all the world and preach the gospel to every person. So it is the, it is the purpose of the church. The church, the ecclesia, is together specifically as a tool of conveyance of the gospel. And the whole purpose of the anointing, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you to be witnesses of what? The euagelion. So the anointing also is tied to the gospel. So we learned all that. And finally, we saw gospel is salvation. Uh, it's near you, it says, in your mouth. The word of faith that you speak, the message that you heard that Jesus died, was buried, and rose from the grave. That is the definition of gospel itself the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus in your testimony and in story. When we speak that, it says, if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth, what happens? You're saved. So Romans 10, 9, and 10 says the gospel is salvation. That the gospel coming out of your mouth, when you speak it to anybody, believing it, that is what saves you. And so we know that, and we saw that in the first one, but now we're looking at another um, thing about it. We're going to see three things about the reality of the gospel. There's one thing to have the gospel as a story or history. I would subject to you the idea that there are thousands of written gospels in thousands of homes where people do not know God. How many of you would agree? That there are probably Bibles in a lot of houses and those people never read that Bible. And so when we look at the analogy of that, if somebody has a physical Bible, what good is it if they do not read the words inside of it? The book itself does not inherently have power. You can't take the Bible and rub it on yourself and that Bible is going to heal you or save you. Uh, you can't pick it up and shake it at the devil, although some have tried. It is the information on the inside that you learn and then speak. In fact, you can know it all, but if it's not coming out of your mouth, it's of no value. So the gospel has to become a reality to us. And three things that I want to talk to you about here, uh, the reality of gospel is personal is the first one. Number one, the reality of the gospel is personal. Now all three of these start with the letter P to help you remember them. I want you to know, Paul says to the Galatians, brothers and sisters, that the gospel I preached is not of human origin. I did not receive it from any man, nor was I taught it. Rather, I received it by revelation from Jesus Christ. Now, that's a beautiful picture of what gospel is supposed to be. Gospel is supposed to be personal. I mean, everyone knows the story of the gospel, as I said, that's told in the scriptures, but we find that as we grow in Christ, God gives us more details and understanding that makes it more personal. You understand, I've been knowing God for 35 plus years, 
But I've never caught in the scriptures what I just said to you in worship about Jesus in that boat. I never, but today when I was studying it, I saw Jesus, and you probably saw it too when I described it. I saw them on the beach looking, and that's beautiful because that takes something that is in the written gospel and makes it very personal and real to me, enough to make me cry, to make me break down and feel a very true and wonderful Savior coming back to me over that water that can help me in life. So that's personalizing the gospel. And I find it necessary that we do that. The gospel version that we preach becomes distinctive to us as an original depiction focusing on different aspects according to our life. We even see that in the synoptic gospels, such as Peter, I mean, um, Matthew, Mark, Luke. Those gospels are three people telling the same stories, but some very different details there. Because that's their gospel. That's why it's called the gospel according to, and it names the person that wrote it. So you have the gospel according to John, you have the gospel according to Matthew, and those are very different perspectives. So it is with us. We can read those, but we have to endeavor or make every attempt to see that the historic information of the gospel becomes so integrated in our psyche, in our heart, in our lives, that it pours out of us as a living revelation. And for Paul, he's saying it this way. He said, and you know, there are a lot of people out there telling you the story about Jesus. He also had an issue with people who were coming and telling a story about Jesus that was not accurate. There were false gospels coming. There were gospels that were different than his version. And he told his people in the churches, be very careful when someone comes and preaches a different gospel than the one I've preached to you. And Paul had a great assurity of his gospel because he received it by revelation from Jesus Christ. You say, well, when did he meet Jesus? Well, he met Jesus on the road to Damascus, supernaturally appeared to him. He says, who are you, Lord? Well, I'm Jesus. So he introduced himself. He was blind. We know that he had three days blind in a house by himself. What do you think he did for three days? I think he's a pretty intelligent man that was overwhelmed with a revelation of the actual Christ that came to save him, and he probably talked to him for those three days. Even though he's blind and scared, in that moment, I can't help but think that Jesus told him the whole story of his reality. Remember, we talked about this when I talked about the little girl that had Jesus come in her bedroom and sit on the edge of her bed and tell her the story of the gospel many nights, many nights until finally it poured out of her at the breakfast table with her parents who were Muslim parents. And when they heard their daughter telling the story of Jesus, they wanted to know where she learned that. And of course she shocked them and said, from the man that comes in my room at night and sits on the edge of my bed, which made them afraid, but they actually got saved as a result. It's a beautiful story of how personal the gospel can be. And so I think it's up to us, I think it's up to our seeking and our longing to determine how real the gospel will be. I went to Bible school uh, for the years when I was saved in 1984. And as that time uh, went by, I went to Bible school. I learned, I read the Bible, historic. I memorized a lot of scriptures. I even, after Bible school, went into ministry. I was in full-time ministry for 10 years. But I needed more. I needed something else. It needed to become more to me. And when the Lord came in 1995 and touched me, what he really came to do was to personalize my gospel. And the biggest mark of the Holy Spirit in my life, the greatest change in me, 
from before that encounter I had with God in 1905 until after was that the gospel was clearly detailed to me some things about it I had never seen before over a space of one year in 1995 to 96, April to April, he came to me in spirit, spoke things to me that you cannot easily see. I had visions and dreams. Why? Because he wanted to personalize the gospel for me. And I think it's very important. We need to allow the Holy Spirit to reveal. No, I better say it differently. We need to beg the Holy Spirit to reveal it to us. We need to go after the Holy Spirit and insist that our gospel just not just be the simple gospel everyone has, but I want a special gospel. I want a unique gospel. I want my own private gospel. I'm not talking about error. I'm talking about the scriptures and everything I know and everything that he showed me and has taught me through the years is the scriptures, but he amplifies them and reveals things about them that make it very personal to me. So why? So that when somebody asks me about Jesus, my gospel flows out of me like a waterfall. It just flows naturally. I don't have to think, well, let's see, what does the Bible say? No, it's just so natural. It just comes out of me because it's very personal to me. And God did that work in me and God will do that work in all of us. So as Jesus taught the secrets of the kingdom to his disciples, so the Holy Spirit reveals the uh, and teaches us secrets that make our individual version of the gospel grow so that it can go to us and then through us to people. And this sense of ownership of the gospel causes us to appreciate it more uh, because you paid a price for it. If you ever suffer for the gospel, you will value it more than ever before. I've been in positions to suffer for the gospel. I've been uh, mistreated and, and spoken evil of and lied about and lots of threats have come through the years, different countries I've been through. Why? For the sake of the gospel, because I was there and I made no bones about it. And I'm here to preach the gospel. And as soon as they would hear that, when the, the gospel would come out of my mouth, it would cause different reactions. When persecution arises, well, that just becomes another way of personalizing my gospel. And we saw that last time about the gospel. That is part of it. So God gives us these instructions. And I encourage everyone to spend a lot of time studying the story of Jesus to do this. Pray and ask God for more revelation about your gospel. Say, my gospel. Yes. See, that the gospel I preach is not of human origin. I did not receive it from any man, nor was I taught it. Rather, I received it by revelation from Jesus Christ. That you should be able to say that about the gospel. Say, I've heard a lot of great preachings, but it can't touch what Jesus has shown me personally. Personally, he has made it so real to me. And that's the reality of the gospel being personal to us. Uh, sometime back, I taught Journey with Jesus. I'm going to do it again. I have to do it again. God just keeps bringing it back to me. So when I return from my trip to the United States and Mexico, which we leave tomorrow, we'll come back within a few weeks uh, this summer sometime on probably on Saturdays, I'm going to reboot Journey with Jesus and we're going to go back through the whole thing again. Now, I will say this about it. It is the best teaching I've ever done and it always is. I've been working through it systematically at the Chinese church and it has been pure fire. It's been so wonderful. The people are blessed and they're learning. And so I thought about it because it's just a focus on the gospel. It's just focusing only on the gospel. So I'm looking forward to doing it again. Just um, stay tuned. 
And we will have that all completely recorded too. Last time we recorded a lot of Journey with Jesus in its own other archives, but this is going to be fresh and different. The second one, the reality of the gospel is power. Sir Thessalonians, Paul again writing, and he says, For we know, brothers and sisters, loved by God, that he has chosen you. Huh. Sorry. Just rushed, overwhelmed that, uh, that we're chosen. Thank you. Because our gospel came to you not simply with words, but also with power. <laughs> with the Holy Spirit and deep conviction. You know how we lived among you for your sake. You became imitators of us and of the Lord. For you welcome the message in the midst of severe suffering with the joy given by the Holy Spirit. The reality of the gospel is power. The gospel is the most powerful information that you will ever receive, that you will ever read, and that you can ever propagate, that can ever come through you. There's a lot of facts and knowledge. You can go to Harvard, Cambridge. You can, you can go to MIT. You do anything you want. But the gospel is more powerful than anything that you can learn in this world. Our gospel came to you. He says it's interesting to see an ownership of more than one person because our gospel, meaning at this time, Paul's gospel, the one I received from Jesus, he said, at this time it had become one that he shared that other people made it for themselves too. And it had the same basic theme. So he called it our gospel came to you, meaning the team that went into Thessalonia. Thessalonica, when they went into that region, when the Thessalonians received it, it was from him and his other people that were with them. It was our gospel. I believe in Antioch Center for the Nations. We have our gospel. I think our gospel is quite different than a lot of gospels I've heard in many churches. Because I hear them speak about Jesus in ways that lack the power. And Jesus, whenever he spoke, to the people, they always ask him, by what authority are you? And they took note of the fact that, that, that he spoke as one having authority. What they were talking about was the manifestation of God's power that came through his message. The same thing they said about his disciples. Came to you not simply with words. But some people just speak with words. But we need to speak with power, with the Holy Spirit and deep conviction. That's the gospel. Not simply with words, with power, with the Holy Spirit, with deep conviction. I like that it says imitators. If you see someone with a gospel and they share it with you, when they do, it's powerful, then you have an opportunity to learn how to do the same thing. You have an opportunity to turn his gospel into your gospel. It can become our gospel, a powerful gospel of truth. With deep conviction. I don't, I don't want shallow conviction. I want deep conviction. I want it to keep me up at night. I want to be driven by the truth of God's gospel. The third, the reality of the gospel is perpetual. 
I love this because it gives us the eternal connection of what the gospel is. The super member that every good gift and every perfect gift comes down from above, from the father of lights. Where was the gospel born? Where did it come from? We know Jesus was the first one to speak it. But I love this. Revelation, John is saying, Then I saw another angel flying in midair, and he had the eternal gospel. It's interesting because he had it, and this word means he possessed it as an object. Now, when we get into the spiritual dimension, in the spiritual realms of heaven, anointings are as physical as earth's physical objects. The spirit of the Lord, the manifestation of the power of God is as tangible, as palpable and real as any physical matter that we have. So when it's spoken of, the gospel itself is spoken of by this angel, he's carrying it like a physical object that he's delivering. To proclaim to those who live on the earth, to every nation, tribe, language, and people, he said in a loud voice, fear God and give him glory because the hour of his judgment has come. Worship him who made the heavens, the earth, the sea, and the springs of water. The eternal gospel comes from heaven. The angel had this eternal gospel and he gives it to us. It's passed down to us. Through Jesus Christ. Jesus came. He said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me, has anointed me to preach. What was he preaching? The gospel. That gospel, born in eternity, came through, manifested. The word was with God, and the word was God, and the word became flesh. The actual gospel came to life because Jesus is the gospel. And that word that was carried and preached is the word that we carry. We have eternal roots. When I saw this, in fact, I went on a tangent and looked at everywhere the adjective eternal is used. That's a whole other message. Eternal things. It'll probably be entitled the eternal connections. Because I saw all the things that are eternal that we are connected to. And the gospel is one of them. You can do the search yourself. If you want to become a better Bible school student, just go do a search eternal and just look at everything that it's connected to. And there's a beautiful pattern there that I discovered. So eternal gospel to proclaim. And this is what God gives us. He's going to judge the world. The angel's telling us, worship him who made the heavens, the earth, the sea, and the springs of water. I like that it is to every nation. The gospel is not meant for us to hold on to in one single place. The gospel is not meant for us to keep right here in Singapore. The gospel is supposed to go to all the people. Preach the gospel to every creature. It cannot be contained. It cannot be held. If you are part of a group that is not doing something to get that gospel out everywhere, then you might want to really think about the group you're part of. Because the biblical picture is we have to be constantly bringing the gospel out to everyone. The reality of the gospel, these are the three we saw. Three things about the reality of the gospel. The reality of the gospel is personal. Remember to personalize the gospel that he gives you. And he will help you to do that. Number two, the reality of the gospel is power, which it is. And then number three, the reality of the gospel is perpetual or eternal. It will never end. Uh, that's why also it said of Jesus, because Jesus only spoke the gospel to the people. They said that scripture that I referenced earlier, to whom else shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. Amen. So that, that concludes the 
gospel message. That in conjunction with the first thing we saw. There are other things I could teach about the gospel because there's a lot of references, but these were my favorite.